Welcome to the Horns Up Half Hour, Cedar Hill ISD's podcast about scholars, staff, and community. Our guests will be individuals from the district and the community. This podcast is for anyone interested in expanding their knowledge of all things CHISD. So hello, this is Michael Sudhalter um, with the uh, Horns Up Half Hour podcast. Today we have the February uh, board uh, post-board podcast. The board meeting was uh, February... 22nd, last Tuesday, and um, so I have with me uh, Board President Robert Riggs, as well as Board Vice President Gail Sims, and uh, the first uh, topic we're going to talk about is the approval of the 2022-2023 district calendar. Well, I'll jump in and then give it to, to Gail to, to take care of any edits that need to be made here, how's that? So, um, one of the items that parents look to so often is the calendar for the next semester. And uh, this is that time of year where we work through and try and come up with the best master calendar and options and the best calendaring time for starting and stopping school semesters. Uh, COVID has certainly made that harder and certainly some of the changes from the way the state requires us to track our time. But um, we began with three options, and those options were made available for student staff and uh, family content and um, com- comments uh, on a website. And uh, after a week or two of comments, uh, it became clear that the best option was before us, and uh, that is provided. It's a it's a great way for us to hear what the families are after and what meets the requirements that are uh, needed. It starts us at the proper time of the summer, at the end of summer, and then finishes classes appropriately. So uh, we are pleased. We do have snow days, which uh, in, as it's become important, they're built into the calendar, uh, and there's some excess time just in case issues come up. Um, but I think overall we have a calendar that everybody is very well satisfied with. And it's a calendar that allowed our parents and and even students to be able to uh, come in on and vote on. Uh, one thing I wanted to say that uh, it ensures compliance with House Bill 3 regarding reading academies and probably the most important part of uh, the, the calendar is that its primary objective is to support teacher development and student learning. So. Uh, it covers a whole lot, but through the thought exchange, everybody was able to vote on those three options that were given to them. Great, great. And then um, I know we have some facility assessment coming up, and you all talked about that at the at the recent meeting. We sure did, and this is an area that um, I've had the opportunity to sit on the facilities committee, uh, which is a standing committee for the district. Um, and it includes three board members and the, the uh, maintenance uh, facilities and maintenance group uh, and some, some of those that are leaders. And we have an opportunity to hear about the condition of the facilities. And so our team's done a great job of monitoring how our buildings are being used, how they're aging, where the major issues are and components. And as we move forward, about once every 10 to 12 years, it's it's proper and it's best practice to bring in an outside group that will do a complete facilities assessment. And that's where we have hired Huckabee and Associates. They are one of the 
I'm going to say three or four large um, firms that do this for a lot of districts. Uh, they have an, a large architectural practice that covers everything, not just schools, but uh, they do have a large school system um, uh, practice. And um, so by having that third, uh, I'm going to say unaffiliated to the district group that's looking through each building, this will give us an opportunity to kind of evaluate where things are. Um, and we'll know exactly what facilities need to be improved on and, and developed. So we are doing that, and, and uh, we're looking forward to the results. We hopefully will have those in April or May time. Mm -hmm. uh, and one thing I want to stress is that uh, uh, we want to, we, we are planning on involving our community in being able to look at that and help us decide and decide. It's not just us, the board, saying this is what we're going to do. We want to hear from the community as well on that. Okay, great. And then I know the spotlight um, last week was uh, Cedar Hill High School, of course, under the direction of uh, new principal Shea Whitaker, who's had multiple roles in the district. And um, before this year, she was, of course, principal at High Point Elementary. Um, but tell me um, about that. Um, Campus Spotlight for Cedar Hill High School. She is. She's working very diligently uh, to get get the school moving, getting moving in the right direction, uh, and to get the students learning in the right places. One of the things that she is trying to stress, you know, is a flagship mentality. I remember her saying that very clearly that evening. Uh, that. We are uh, a part of uh, the, you know, what, what is important uh, for the, the district. Uh, we want to, she's working very diligently on raising those scores and getting them back up there where uh, people are, we're, we're meeting, uh, what, what, what do you want to say, meeting the uh, criteria are for our Lone Star governance, for our student outcome goals, uh, with the uh, 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 school, with the high school. She, she's identifying uh, what needs to be done. She's, she's identifying where we're uh, not there. She's identifying what needs to be done to get us to that place. That's important. Uh, I, I want to just kind of echo... Um, Trustee Sims' response, and that is, um, we, as you know, we've talked about Lone Star governance in past discussions, and um, part of Lone Star governance is looking at Algebra 1 performance for our students. So we spent a lot of time in the meeting looking at how our students are doing in the ninth grade uh, and 10th grade levels, um, how are they receiving the uh, teaching on, on Algebra 1 or not and uh, what we need to do to improve those areas. And I'd say overall the numbers um, and the performance is not where we want it to be. Right. After COVID has gone through the system, and, and if you look at any districts, so we're unfortunately, uh, we're, uh, I mean, that's not an appropriate word, but I'm going to say we don't stand out in this regard. Um, unfortunately, all schools, districts have had difficulty, especially in the area of math. 
Algebra 1 is one of the most critical areas that tells whether a student is ready for college placement. And that's ultimately we, what we want. Not every student will go to college, um, but we want them to have that as an option if they so choose. And so that's what our goal is. And so we spend a lot of time looking at that and talking about how we can improve those numbers, what support we can provide as a school board to her, what the administration can do. And uh, we'll talk about in just a few minutes um, about another topic of a, of a career fair and how many of those key openings that we have in the district, they can really help us out uh, if we can get the right people and we can get more people hired and, and in place and ready to go. So. Um, those came up. The other item that we're looking at Lone Star Governance is the co-curricular activities. So how many students are involved in um, extracurricular activities um, and are college, career, and military ready? And so focusing on those items along with algebra, um, she had a lot of data to report and she is looking carefully at it. The data doesn't always say what we hope it says, but it says what it needs to for us to get after it and, and to work and focus. And that's, I think, one of the important things in data. Uh, talking about the co-curricular, uh, we, we have really determined that if students are involved in those co-curricular activities, uh, they will become more involved in taking more personal stance with everything else going on in school. So we're, we're, we're looking very closely at that. And math is the push for this year. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> one of the items I wanted to discuss was uh, the city of Cedar Hill had um, Black History Month program with um, Opal Lee was the keynote speaker. Of course, the um, grandmother of the Juneteenth movement. And um, I know that event was yesterday. So what can you tell me about, um, you know, attending that event? Sure. Uh, well, Opal Lee wasn't, wasn't able to make it. Um, she was asked to go to D.C. to meet with the president. Oh, wow. So, you know, we, 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 <laughs> we were able to very graciously uh, let her go. But um, uh, Senator Royce West and Representative Carl Sherman okay. came in very, I, I mean, I, I think they said the day before he contacted contacted Uh huh. And they were there, and they were very good. I mean, they shared some very some great information, uh, their backgrounds, and what is important to them. They shared those, and it was it was a great event. And you know, like we spotlighted our students as well. Um, of course, the McGrew family was there. Those are just some uh, highlighting kids. And uh, what did they call them? Zula B. Wiley yeah. storytelling group, something like that. Yeah. And it's young kids, storytellers. And a young lady talked about her, the bell, the donkey in G. Alabama, was it? Alabama. It, it was. It was a great event. Robert. Now we've, um, so Cedar Hill puts on this event uh, um, and the library in combination. They've held it in different locations and it was great to be able to offer this uh, in our newly renamed, uh, what used to be the Ninth Grade Center. Thank you, Dr. Peggy and Wilson, STEM Center. 
and uh, it was great to have and host them there and be able, for them to be able to walk around and see the murals of uh, those people from um, people of color that have had lifelong impacts and have changed the way our state uh, and our nation and even the world um, has, um, you know, through inventions, through science and, and their involvement. So it's great to have them on site. The city always goes all out. Uh, they bring in top main speakers. We've had Martin Luther King III has spoken, not Martin Luther King Jr., but one of his son, his oldest son. Uh, and, uh, uh, Diane Nash was there. Uh, she uh, marched with uh, Martin Luther King, uh, helped to uh, put together some of those marches. <coughs> and was it Tub and, Tubman? Is that what yes, that, her gray, gray. Right. or something from and so she was a few years back but it's I've had the chance to attend these year after year they are mm -hmm. excellent events I always learn and it's a it's just a very good time to, to see the, uh, the words of Martin Luther King and hear them read again mm -hmm. hear that I have a dream speech and to be mm -hmm. reminded of the impact uh, that, that a spokesperson can really make and the flight of people and so it was great to, to see Great to see the city out, uh, have a lot of folks. And I ultimately, part that I liked the most was our culinary arts team. Yes. With an ice sculpture in the background provided uh, the main food that was provided for snacks at the end of the event. Yes. And, uh, it was outstanding. So great job for, great. for the school, a lot of work. Awesome. Yes. So uh, next up, we have the mentoring program in the district. I know you all discussed that at the recent board meeting. What can you tell me about that? Probably one of the main things about that is we are building a leadership pipeline through this mentoring program. Uh, what it is is teachers, when they first come into the district, it doesn't mean, matter if you this is your first year your 10th year or however many years coming into the district, you are aligned with a teacher who has been here for uh, a part of the district. You're aligned with them for a full year uh, to be able to learn the Cedar Hill way and learn, you know, uh, classroom management the Cedar Hill way, learn uh, instruction the Cedar Hill way. Uh, and they, they're uh, three times a week, is it? Or something like that. Uh, they, they are in contact, whether it's text or phone or in person. They're in contact with their mentor. Uh, so they become very, uh, become a part of the culture of Cedar Hill ISD. It, We've got, what, 51 teachers, uh, first-year teachers that are engaged or connected with mentors throughout the district. Not all of them are directly in their school. Some are across schools, so you get some of that important learning that comes. And you just have uh, the opportunity for teachers um, that have uh, seasoning and that have been around and been in the district for a while. It gives them an opportunity to, um, for a stipend, so they, they get a little bit of extra money for the effort it takes. But I think the more rewarding aspect is to have teachers that are looking up and have a place to go where they can ask, how do, how do you do it? What's successful? What's not? Um, those, those are valuable friendships and relationships. Just, just stepping back, too, I know we don't want to make uh, COVID is not an excuse for anything, but 
um, for these teachers that have one, two, or three years, recognize they've started their teaching career and been in a COVID world with masks on in elementary school, teaching kids how to read, formulate words. Uh, they've struggled with pieces of that. And so to be able to interact together and find best practices, share that, um, it really helps us keep this community and, and not just have a school having a, a proper way to do it. Really a, a cross-pollinization um, of the best ideas for the district. And, and at the same time, um, I, I, I do believe it helps with retention. Uh, if they, they start belong, feeling like they belong, right. like they are a part of the district, it, it's easy to stay with uh, where you are when you feel a part of it. Okay, um, when we had some policy updates that were approved at the recent meeting. What can you tell me about those? Um, that they were, of course, our policies are all uh, dictated by uh, either legislature or TEA, and we updated some of our policies. Uh, it was a number of policies. We always get a, an update. Um, just a minute. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pull this one up because there there were a number of policy yep. updates that we had. Um, but uh, a lot of them were brought about by the legislature, and a lot of them, uh, probably uh, some important ones, are like cybersecurity, right. making sure that we are not just secure physically, but uh, we are secure. Our uh, infrastructure is secure as well. Um, and then, of course, some basic instructional programs required, uh, academic achievement, retention and promotion. Uh, and then uh, there's some attendance, uh, some changes on attendance. Uh, one of the things they wanted to look at was, especially, and we're going back to COVID here, um, some students who are out for that 90 days, who are out longer than a than they can be. Uh, they wanted to be able to extend that uh, for them uh, when someone has a serious illness or uh, they're out for a serious uh, illness. So um, there, there were, those are just some of the updates that uh, we were looking at uh, in that. They're just, we're just following the laws that are coming down to us and following what TEA wants us to do. Okay. Great. And then um, I know I have the career fair coming up, and then what can you tell me about that? Well, March 3rd is our scheduled date, and uh, we need great teachers, we need great administrators, um, great uh, APs, or, or assistant principals in our schools. Um, those are the positions that make a difference in the teaching and learning immediately. Long term, the central office, the policies, and Leaders, the superintendent, they have the, the opportunity to set culture across multiple schools um, and make sure like these policies and all these other items that were legal and following all the items that we need to that the state requires. 
but these key positions um, across Texas, across the nation, uh, there is there are not enough teachers to fill all the spots. So um, there's not enough bus drivers to fill all the spots. There's not enough custodians. So um, we have addressed a lot of these issues, and uh, we've seen multiple more custodians come into the system and apply to work at Cedar Hill as we have raised our hourly rate for that important job to $15 an hour. Our bus drivers, we are maybe one of the only districts in Texas that has a full um, staff of bus drivers right now. And that's, we had bus driver appreciation day last week where the superintendent and members of the staff were out meeting with bus drivers as they came to work in the morning providing them breakfast and making sure that they were uh, felt appreciated and recognized. Yes. And those are the things, that's the culture of what we're doing at Cedar Hill. But to really catapult us forward, we need to find great teachers and they, we want to, them to identify and make Cedar Hill our home. We have great teachers and we just need to make sure that there are plenty of those available for all the students. Yes, yes. There, there are a lot of positions and I think of uh, Trustee Riggs made it very clear that are hard to fill positions, but we are wanting, we are wanting you here in Cedar Hill ISD, and we want to make your, uh, make their uh, employment here one that they will see. We've got some teachers, for instance, Jolyn Maddox, who have been here for over 30 years. We want that to be a part of what you do what a, someone does when they come to Cedar Hill, that they want to stay. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, and I look forward to um, visiting with you again in uh, March. All right. Thank you, Michael. All right, thank Bye -bye. you.